Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. All right, well, good deal. We're in the book of Luke today. We're going to take some time to uh, to break down Luke a little bit, have some fun today, and do some table discussions here. And I know that um, this will be good if you're around somebody that is not at your table and you want to get around somebody that does in just a minute, you can do that. Um, I'm going to break down a couple things from it, and I just want to encourage you to be a part of uh, small groups in some way, whether you do one through your own uh, uh, you know, relationships that are connected with you here, or you can do one um, through through the groups that we'll be announcing here at the, towards the end of the month, be more than September. But um, either way, relationships are very important. You need family, you need uh, friends, and and it's important because when you go through difficult seasons or when you're building up other people, maybe you don't need it, but maybe somebody else around you does, you know. We all go through different things in life, and everybody needs someone to come alongside them to help them walk through uh, the different things that you face in life. And if you think, like, that's not true, I just would encourage you to read Luke a little slower this month, okay, because, or this week, not this month, this week, you got a week to do it. So uh, Luke tells us something very interesting about Jesus. We've been talking about Jesus as being represented by four different uh, faces, if you will, and we'll talk about this in Revelation, Revelation chapter 4, verse 7. I'll read this to you, and then we'll break it down a little bit, okay? So Revelation 4 and verse 7, it says, the first uh, of these living creatures that I saw was like a lion. We talked about Matthew is like the representation of Jesus as king. He shows you the lion of the tribe of Judah. Matthew gives you a lineage or a genealogy, if you will, from kingship. Not from, um, it, it, he's not so much concerned about the Gentiles. Matthew is more concerned about the Jewish people. He wants them to understand this is the Messiah. He is not a fake or a phony. This isn't some resurrected Elijah. This is Jesus, the Christ. He's the Messiah. He wanted to make sure that everybody in the Jewish culture understood this is him that was said of back many, many, many prophets ago. This is him. And we talked about Mark. He says, the second creature, his face was like an ox. And we talked about Mark. Mark gives you the picture of Jesus Christ is the servant. And we talked about this in Christian circles. Man, the reality is that Jesus came to serve. He came to seek and serve or seek and save, but he came to serve people. You read Mark and you will see a man burdened with the care of humanity and wanting to serve people. He served over and over and over again. And that indicates to you and I that what, if Jesus served people, then what should we do? We should serve. And we, we noted this, that if, if, if I was going to start somewhere, I would start in my church because that's where Jesus said, I'm building the church. I'm not building your government. I'm not building your business. Now, he might be partnership with you, and yes, absolutely, he's going to bless and, and empower you. But if you want to know what he's really building, he's building his kingdom. That's what he's building. He's more concerned about your neighbors in your neighborhood than he is about the bottom line in your spreadsheet. I promise you that. He is. Because his kingdom is based off of people. He doesn't need any revenue. He's got everything that he ever needs. I mean, all of the silver and all of the gold, all of the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, I don't know how many hills in Rome, Georgia, but they say we got seven at least, so I don't know. How many cows that is, that's a lot of cattle. He said, they're all mine. He's not concerned about any of that. He's concerned about people. He showed us the, 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 the picture of an ox. And the third one today we're going to talk about today is the picture of a human face. 
And the Revelation tells us this picture of a human face is the picture of Christ, the man. And when you see this, a picture of a human face, the, you've probably seen the movie. I think this guy does a really good job in, in portraying, uh, to me, what I have always felt like is a bunch of religious nonsense in most of the movies that are made about Jesus. Because when I read about Jesus, I see a guy who, yeah, he gets stern with people at times, but they're a bunch of religious you know, people. He has great compassion on people who are really messed up, like most of us. Look at your neighbor right now and say, he's talking to you. So be encouraged this morning. There you go. Not look at me so religious-like. I mean, you're either in one of two camps. You're either the religious one that thinks you got it all figured out, or you need Jesus to come along and help you. Anybody besides me need Jesus to help you out with your life. Absolutely right. So that's when I see this, I see this, this picture and portrayal of Jesus that I read in the Gospels that seems like a cut-up sometimes. He's playing with kids, having a good time, you know. He even uses little Georgia slang every now and then. If you look at it, it's there. You know, when they're out fishing, can't catch anything except for the resurrection. He's on the beachhead. He's sitting there looking out there. Hey, boys! It's in the Bible. Throw in a little Georgia slang for you. He's, he's just, he didn't go around saying, gentlemen, are you catching anything today in your boat or your vessel? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Hey, boys! Hey, did you catch anything? Pete, man, I know, but you think you're the best fish. You ain't all that, man. Watch this. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, how do you not see that with him, right? But he's the picture, and he shows us in, in Luke, this picture of a, of a man, Jesus. This title is used of him more often. He would use it of himself, the son of man. Now, I know we think of him as the son of God, and he is the son of God, and John will give you that later. But in Luke and throughout, Jesus would express himself as the son of man. He wanted you to understand that because he didn't want you to come at him from just one side. He is a king. Yes, he is a king. And don't mistake the fact that who he is 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 someone that can be bargained with at times or taking his word and say, well, that doesn't apply. No, he's a king. And his kingdom is built on the foundation of God, which is his word. He's not going to change that. But at the same time, he also wants you to see, I'm not so high up here that I don't know what it's like to serve people. Never forget that we're never too big to serve. And then he wants us to understand this, that I'm not just some God way up in heaven that's out of your reach. I know what it's like to be you. He is the son of man. And what he reveals in, in Luke to us, and I'm not going to get all of this for you today, but when you read this, you will see this, a genealogy of Luke that he gives that's different than the genealogy that Matthew gives. Matthew gives a kingship genealogy going all the way back to Abraham. And he stops right there. Because Matthew wants you to know he's of Abraham's seed. He's the king of kings. But watch what Luke does. Now I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 3 and verse 34. We'll do some talk here in just a second. Luke 3 and verse 34. It says that Judah was the son of Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac, and Isaac was the son of Abraham. Before this, you'll see some verses, and don't get confused when you see Joseph in there a couple of different times. Joseph in this lineage is not the same Joseph that you see in Matthew's lineage. Understand? Joseph, uh, Jesus' stepfather, Joseph, in Matthew, is not the Joseph you see that's Mary's daddy. There's a lot of Josephs in the Bible, you know what I mean? It ain't the same guy. Ain't, there's a lot of Josephs. You just have to break it down. 
But what Luke has just done, he gave you Mary's genealogy in Luke. And right where I'm getting to in this point right here where it says Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham, this is where as far back as Matthew would have gone. Luke does something totally different. He wants you to see that Jesus is the Son of Man, that he is actually born of Mary. Now, he is, of God, he is God Almighty, but he is born of a human. And her genealogy, watch this, is amazing. Her genealogy, though it doesn't seem so fancy at first, the further you go back, the closer she gets to royalty. And then all of a sudden, oh, here we are to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But watch what Luke does next. Luke goes even further and he says, Abraham was the son of Terah. Terah was the son of Nahor. Nahor was the son of Sarag. Sarag was the son of Reu. Reu was the son of, I always want to say peg leg, you know, right there. I always don't know why, but it, it always throws me off. No, it's peleg, not peg leg. Okay, so peleg was the son of Eber. Eber was the son of Shelah. Shelah was the son of Canaan. Canaan was the son of, long word, long word was the son of Shem. Okay, watch this. Shem was the son of Noah. What did Luke just do for you? He just brought you back through Abraham's lineage, and now he's saying to you, now I'm back to the boat, baby. And there's only three that started it all over with right here. She brings you back to his, or he brings you back to his, her lineage right here was with, with Shem. Noah was the son of Lamech. Lamech was the son of Methuselah. Keep watching. Methuselah was the son of Enoch. And Enoch was the son of Jared. Jared was the son of Mahaliel. Mahaliel was the son of Canaan. Canaan was the son of Enosh. Enosh was the son of Seth. And Seth was the son of Adam. And Adam was the son of God. Luke wants you to see something here. And please hear me. I'm just going to go briefly on this. We are all somehow, some way, bloodline connected. This is why the enemy is trying to divide us so strongly. Is because if you were to take God, just for a moment, and examine scripture, you will see all of humanity comes from Adam. And regardless of what you see on the outside, the DNA on the inside, if Ancestry.com can go back far enough, we are all somehow connected in this room. If you're watching online right now, you are somehow connected. You may say, well, I don't know if I want to be related to you or not. Well, I mean, you may be my long, 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 long lost great, 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 great past times 100 cousin, but somehow, some way, you can't escape this if you're a believer. Now, if you want to believe this philosophical, educated rigmarole that people have come up with today that somehow some way you're neanderthal or you're kind of apart from amoeba slash shark converted to a leaf on a tree and now you became a human if that's what you believe that's fine you go right ahead but if you believe christianity this is the thing about humanity that should stand up to all of us and say you are my brother and you are my sister therefore my compassion level should exceed my cultural beliefs for you. It should. Now, I didn't say it did, but it should. Well, I just don't agree with them. I don't agree with them either. It don't matter. They are a human. Therefore, my compassion level should be present for humanity. Why does that matter? Because Jesus is the son of man. If you want to see compassion revealed, we're about to show some stuff in compassion in Luke. He revealed his 
heart for people. Luke poured out this idea of Jesus and his compassion for people over and over and over again. And so, at the beginning of Luke, I'm going to read this and we'll start here in just a second. Luke 1. This is the purpose for Luke writing. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Luke said, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness reports circling among us from the early disciples and having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. The brother went all the way back to Adam. Don't you think he investigated a little bit, right? He says, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus. Why? So that you can be what? Certain in everything or the truth of everything that you were taught. Luke's gospel was given to you so that you, just like the Honorable Theophilus here, which Luke wrote, the book of Luke and Acts, we'll talk about it later, but you need to know something about Luke before we get into your discussions here. Luke was a physician. Now that may mean more to you today, given our last year, than maybe any other time. But one thing I'll tell you about physicians, whether you have followed whatever or not, it doesn't matter. If you talk to a physician, not one on YouTube that's fake, a real physician, ask them a question. How important is it to make sure that they get the proper saline drip ratio in their bloodstream? How important is it that they get the proper medication at the right intervals in their care? Is it a big deal? Can't you just guess? I mean, like, now throw three at them. That'll be all right. Is it a big deal? What will a physician tell you? It's a big deal. You can't just guess. This isn't like, you know, throw a little salt in it. Hey, it's not salty enough. Give them a little more. You know, you can't do that. Luke's a physician. He is accurate. He's precise. And he gives you details that are almost not ignored, but they are just left out of the other gospel writers. So when he writes just from this physician, hear this, he's writing to those who know, watch this, that he knows that they are sick and need of healing. Now I'm going to lay up this for you for this first table discussion, okay? And that's this. Luke wrote for the outcast of the world. To the Gentile believers, if you will. He wrote, if you look at the culture in which he wrote, he's not writing to the Jewish people. That's not his job. He's writing to a very philosophical people who need proof. They don't need, you know, they need proof. They need to see something and understand something. They need proof that it is what he says it is. But he's writing to people who are sick. My challenge to all of us right here before we open this this first question for discussion. Is it possible that today in our culture, the reason we have the issues that we have is because we are a people who do not realize that we are sick. Jesus said, I came to those who were what? Sick and afflicted. I came to heal those. I didn't come to to help the people who are well. I'm not coming to help people that are... People who think they're well, you can't fix them. They go to the doctor, what do they say? What's wrong with you? Oh, you know, I got this old cough, I got this ache in my leg, whatever. No, no, it's not that. No, it ain't that. Yeah, but maybe it's a little, you know, joint problem. We just probably can put some, you know, maybe some aspirin or something. No, 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 it's not that. It's not that. It's not that. Well, what'd you come to see me for then? Well, I mean, you know, I just need a prescription. I know what I need. 
Who's the doctor? If our culture doesn't realize that we're sick, will it ever approach the physician for healing? No. So today, here's what I'm doing. I'm throwing up a couple questions for you right now, okay? This first question is going to be coming out of Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Okay, and I'm going to lay this up for you. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. Because Luke reveals to you humanity. So we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan here a little bit, okay? I'm going to lay this up for you. Luke chapter 10, you're going to start in verse 30. I'm going to lay this up for you so you can take it from here, okay? But the Good Samaritan is a full-length story about a guy that basically... Is, is traveling along this road. You're going to read it. But before we get to that, Jesus gives this pre-course, if you will, before the Good Samaritan. So I'm going to read this to you, and then you're going to take over from there, okay? So <clears throat> one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus said. Do this and you'll live. Then the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Who's my brother? Who's my sister? Now here's what I want you to do at your table. You're going to start with Luke chapter 10 verse 30. and put three questions on the screen for you guys. And you're going to pick one person at your table to read this text. Luke chapter 30 through 37. And there's the scripture verses down at the left-hand corner. You're going to read that. And then these are the three questions. You don't have to do them all. It's not a race. It's just in case you run out of time and you're very, you know, super driven. I just give you a little extra. I want you to talk about this among yourself. These three questions. Okay, so pick one person at your table to read the text. Three questions. Ready? Read. Go ahead. Somebody read your table. All right, well, hopefully you had some good discussions around this. It's a very familiar story, that's why I picked this one, um, but it's filled with all kinds of things that we probably don't talk enough about. We probably don't talk enough about. But do you hear the compassion in Jesus' parable? It's not about... We will always have disagreements. That is why I believe there were the many different tribes of Israel. Because they did not agree. Everybody has their kind of group they get along with, you know? Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? Do they not? They do. That's why, you know, you just kind of fit with some and you don't fit with others. But it's something to be said about even with our nation when... If we're attacked or someone comes against our nation, what happens? All of a sudden, you lay down a bunch of stuff because you're after there to help you know protect your your neighbor. It's an important thing to learn and listen. I'm gonna give you another one. This is gonna be a very another very familiar story to have another good discussion on. We're gonna kind of bounce from the Good Samaritan now to we're gonna talk a little bit in Luke chapter 15 about the prodigal son. Very familiar passage of scripture that you've probably heard of at least or someone mentioned to you or you may have come across in your Bible at some point. It gets referenced quite a bit. And typically, we're going to start in verse 20, Luke 15 and verse 20. I'm going to put the questions on the screen. But I want you to take a different look at this story today when you read it. There's always this great thing about the prodigal son, which is a fantastic story. But there were two sons in the parable. He's often overlooked, but he's there. 
He really is. He's in the story. He probably wishes he wasn't, but he's in the story. And so what I want you to do now, we're going to read. You're going to read your tables. It's the story of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, we'll put on the screen for you. Luke chapter 15, you're going to read verse 20 through 32. Here's the scripture, same kind of thing. You don't have to answer them all. But these are some very interesting questions that that I was uh, feeling prompted to write. So as you read this, I want you to um, begin to think about the difference between... It's one thing to care for the Good Samaritan on the way to town that is not related to you. What about when they are related to you? What about if they're in your house or in your immediate family or in your family get-togethers? How about that? What do you do then? All right, ready? So whoever's at your table is going to read the great reader, Luke 15, starting verse 20 through 32. Ready? Read and answer those questions together. All right, well, hopefully you got a chance to talk a little bit about some things there. Just to at least, at least prime the conversations. You might start some other conversations later with people. And um, it is interesting when you read, and I did, I did write these questions for, uh, for us to consider possibly two groups of, of people. Um, there's the one group that, you know, you might say, man, I, I tend to feel like all of us probably fall in this group. I think we all I feel like I know most of you guys fairly well. But if you're watching online, I, I can't see you, but I feel like most people feel this way, just grateful that, that Jesus would have us. Right? I mean, like, I'm just, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful. But then there's this other side that you can't ignore that um, the longer you serve God, if we're not careful, um, you can sometimes forget what that was like. The beauty of just being accepted. Of not being able to educate someone, instruct someone, understand things that you used to not understand the Bible. You know, if you're not careful, you say, man, look what God's doing for them. Oh, man, look what God did for them. It's, it's, it gets very, it's very easy for that to happen. And so these questions are really given, you know, on two different sides, if you will. On one side, extremely grateful. On this side, maybe like, well, man, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, the dad forget about me. I mean, I've been out here plowing the field, working, serving, tithing. I do all that stuff that all these people say, I'm a good Christian. I wouldn't say that. You're not going to put on your bumper sticker, but, you know, occasionally we all think it, right? I'm like, I mean, I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to do. What? What? I mean, what is going on? And the reality is, I think Jesus gives us a couple of answers, but Luke um, reveals one of these to us, and I'm going to give you another one from Paul in a different verse, okay? Luke shows us the beauty of Jesus, again, in his care for humanity. If you'll put that picture back up, guys, of Jesus one more time, and I'll just read this verse. And I want you to think about this as I'm reading this to you. I know he's an actor. I get it. I get it. But at least he's got brown eyes and brown hair and looks a little more Middle Eastern, okay? You know what I'm saying? It, you get what I mean, right? Okay, all right. So at least he, I think he's pretty, he looks pretty close. If you've been there, the olive toned skin, dark hair, dark eyes. It, just look at this photo and just think about this. Jesus 
in Luke, and you don't, don't put the scripture up, just leave the photo up for me, guys. I'm going to read you guys this scripture. Jesus says to the man on his left and to his right, they're all three hanging on a cross. And this man responds, and he says, Indeed, we are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this, watch what Luke says, man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, a criminal, a guilty person, someone who deserves to be crucified. Today, you shall be with me in paradise. Now those are the words that all of us should appreciate. We really should. But if those words are good enough for us, then they're good enough for everyone. They're good enough for everyone. Everyone, even at the end of their life, no matter what you think of them, what they've done, how guilty they might be, no matter, it doesn't matter. We're not their judge. We're not the one that holds them you know, accountable. It's not us. It's Jesus is the one that gets to say, because he's the son of man, he's also the son of God. Because he died in our place and came as a representation for us, you can't, you know, you can't free yourself. You're, you're guilty as charged. If he doesn't come down from heaven and substitute himself as a man, this why this is so important. He did not come to earth as God only. He came as a man. Do you know why that is so important? Because as humans, we needed a substitute. The lambs didn't work. They were just a simple stopgap until the great sacrifice began. Lambs, they just covered. They didn't remove sin. The blood of bulls, goats, and heifers and all that, it's just temporary. When he came, he was the substitute for us all. So as the substitute, he has every legal and authoritative right to say to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, to you watching online, today you'll be with me in paradise if he wants to. I don't get to pick. I don't get to judge. Now I have to preach his word. And if that offends people, that offends people. I don't get to pick who he says, come on in. That is based solely upon their confession of Christ. Because if any man, any woman calls upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. I have no right to hold the bar here against them as an older son in the field that's been working, working, working and living for Jesus and done my little Bible studies. If the son that's been gone Spent all the money, had a good time, hanging with the ladies, you know, partying at the club, whatever he was doing, decides to come back home. I don't have a right to be like, well, hold on. It's not my farm anyway, it's dad's farm. He gets to choose. You're always going to have older and younger brothers in the family of God. Always. Just remember that. You're always going to have older and younger brothers in the family of God or sisters. 
There's always going to be times where you're going to feel like the younger. You're going to feel like the one that, man, I messed up. I'm trying to come back. How do I do that? And you're going to be times where you're going to feel like you're the older one. You've been working. I mean, I'm serving God. I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing. And what, what gives? There's always going to be, you could be on either side of that equation at any time in your life as a Christian. So if you find yourself not on the side where, man, I'm just grateful to be in. If you find yourself right now feeling a little bit like, man, where's God? Let me give you a verse of scripture that Paul says. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, and I will put this on the screen for you, okay? Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Now, we like to think of this as a negative thing. Are you going to reap what you sow? You know, you're going to reap what you sow. Well, how about this? You're going to reap what you sow. You know what? You, you're going to reap what you sow. What? Why not a positive thing? Why does it always have to be a negative thing? Why can't it be a blessing? And then one thing I know about growing a, a little garden, we got a little one going on. Uh, it takes time. Hard work. You lose some crops sometimes. But then you grow some others. And some things don't grow the same as others do. We found this out for some reason in our soil. Some stuff's a little bit difficult to grow. But cantaloupes, for some reason, boom. I mean, it's like, I got cantaloupes everywhere. Do with all these cantaloupes. We only planted like one plant. So you figure out what is God blessing. And maybe go with that. Instead of trying to fight him for something that's not growing in the soil you're trying to work in. But he says, as for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap the flesh, uh, will reap corruption. That's negative. What's the positive? But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, the word is actually season, in due season we will reap if we do not grow weary. There is the there is the clarification of the verse. If we don't grow weary. So then, while we have this opportunity, let us do good to all people. That means if it's Samaritan, you're the good Samaritan, or you're the guy stuck on the side of the road. Either way, we're going to help people. This young brother, old brother, doesn't matter. Help all people. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. You don't get weary and well do. Today, I wanted to encourage you in your discussions that while you talked about the Samaritan on one side, here's a guy who received of God's mercy and his grace. Though he was overlooked, oh man, I could preach a whole message on that. Though he was overlooked by pastors and clergy and ministers of the gospel, we won't go to, he was overlooked. A Samaritan came along and helped him. And by the way, if you look at the state, that was a Jewish person that was left on the side of the road. Amazing when you think about that. Or you're over here today and you feel tired, exhausted, and worn out. Don't quit. Don't get weary in well-doing. Stay the course. Stay the course. Faith is not developed in a week. A walk with God is not developed in a month or two or after you finish an eight-week Bible study. Believe me, you don't arrive. We go from faith to faith. It takes time. It takes time. And so today, 
what I do want to encourage you with is this, whether you're in this side of that, if you're partaking of God's grace over here, or you feel like you've been neglected by God's grace, either way, I want to pray for you this morning. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take a moment and just be honest with God, just right where you are. We're going to pray for two groups of people. I want us to pray. I'm going to pray first of all for you in the room, those of you online as well, I'm praying for you. But I also want to pray for uh, those of our folks in our medical field right now, and everywhere, and we're going to take a moment to pray for them as well in just a moment. So praying for two groups of people, two separate things. But right where you are, I want you to take a moment. Just close your eyes and bow your head. And I just want you to be honest with God. You're not going to be talking to anybody else. It's just between you and the Lord in your heart. But between you and God, just right now, just take it a moment. If you're watching online, you just stop for a moment right where you are. We're going to take a moment. And if you're in this room and you just say, man, Jody... I know that I know I am in a season right now where God, I feel like the criminal on the cross, I deserve this, but Jesus is giving me life. That is a beautiful place to be. That is a beautiful place to be. So Father, I just pray over this group of people right now that they're partaking of your grace right now. It's like just grace upon grace. It's just a season of just, man, God, they just sense your love and your compassion and your care. I pray for them in the name of Jesus, Lord. Let them just soak in and receive and just enjoy this blessed season. Let them just be refreshed in it, God. Let them understand, Lord, that, that, that you really do love and care them so much so that you're reaching out your arms to them with love and compassion. I pray, God, that it would never be forgotten. Lord, I pray for those in the room right now that might be weary and tired, that they've been serving and sowing and giving and serving you for a long time, but maybe they're just growing weary from the, the season. I pray in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, that you would remind them that when you sow, sometimes you don't reap exactly when you start begin the sowing. Sometimes you don't reap in the same season. Sometimes it's a later season. But you promised us in your word that if we don't get weary and quit and give up, we will reap. We will not faint, if you will, so to speak. We will reap the harvest if we continue to serve and follow you. So I pray for them now. I pray that you'd strengthen them by your word, Lord, that they would be reminded today of what your word says, God. They know, they know your scriptures. They've heard your word enough to where they know, the God, that there are things that come at people. But Lord, we thank you, God, that we are <clears throat> a people of faith. God, we don't, we don't quit. We don't get weary. We stand in the gap for people. We open the door for others. God, we rejoice with people who rejoice. And we just thank you for that. Lord, if there's anybody here right now that doesn't know you or they're watching online, they are not saved. <clears throat> I want to lead them in a prayer of faith today, Lord. The whole church is going to pray with you right now if you're watching online. We're going to pray out loud this prayer. The scripture declares as if a man or a woman were to confess Jesus is Lord, that they should be saved. And it starts with the heart that you believe and you're making your confession with your mouth into salvation. And we didn't write the script. This is God's word. So we follow God's word on this. 
So if you're here, you don't know Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. You're watching online. I want you to pray this prayer with this whole church right now. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I come today and I surrender my life. I give you everything. I make you my Lord. And I ask you to forgive me of all sin. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my place, for being my sacrifice. In Jesus' name, I receive you as my Lord. Amen. 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 Man, we're so proud of you. If you pray that prayer, give me a hand, would you please? So proud of you. Now, then here's what I want you to do just to seal that. Everybody's going to do this so you're not going to be by yourself. But I want you to look at the people at your table. And everybody, at least one person at your table, you look at them right in the eyeballs. Like, you know, give them the eyeball look, right? And you say, I am saved. You look at them right now. You tell them right now. It'll take 30 seconds. You look at them. If you're a believer, you look at them. You tell them. So what's the point, Pastor Jody? Well, I'm going to make you do it again because some of y'all didn't participate. So I'm going to make you do it again. You look at another person in the eyeballs. You say, I am saved. Now, what does that do for you? Does that, do you feel a little, huh, that's an interesting thing to say. I want you to look at them again for the third time. And I want you to say, I am saved. It is amazing to me how simple that is. But when you make mistakes, you will be afraid to say it. But it doesn't change the fact that you are saved. And you need to tell more people that. You need to tell everybody, I'm saved. I'm saved. When, they, when you make mistakes, say, hey, man, what's wrong with you? Look, I'm saved in Jesus' name. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. But I'm saved. I know that, all right? All right. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet before we go. We're going to join together right now. And listen, I want, I want to do something just, just briefly. And uh, I, I spent the better part of the week uh, around medical staff and others and things like that. So I want you to just take a moment. I want to pray. Uh, for those in the room that, that and, and online, if you're watching online as well, but it's in our city, in our hospitals. But listen, guys, no matter where you're at with whatever, it doesn't matter. The, these guys who work in our hospitals right now are, I don't even know, I'm just going to tell you, they're spent. They're spent. If they're working in units where they're having to deal with a lot of COVID patients, or, or especially in ICU, Look, I was there. First time I've been able to visit in a year and a half. And I saw firsthand how rough some stuff is right now. Okay? So I want you to right now, out of the compassion of our hearts, our brothers and sisters right now who are serving some of the sickest people, I want us to go before God. And I want to ask God to help those in our medical staff. Okay? That serve in all of our clinics, hospitals, wherever. You may be friends with you, you may work there. I'm not going to ask you to come up front or anything like that. But if, if you work there, know that we are praying for you specifically right now. Okay, you matter to us and we care about you. Okay, so I want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to, before God right here, th- these folks are giving it all. So let's, let's take a moment and just go before God with our full hearts. And just agree with me in this prayer, okay? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you today. And, Lord, we ask you right now to strengthen our brothers and sisters that staff our hospitals and our clinics right now. 
Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for a move of your Holy Spirit in every bedroom, every hallway, every ICU floor in the name of Jesus. God, we aren't able to get in right now and do much of anything, but Lord, you have Christians in those hospitals. And I pray right now in Jesus' name, would you strengthen them so strong. God, let your Spirit just fill their hearts to the point where they feel such a boldness to go back in. I pray in the name of Jesus for those that are are stressed and have they're, they're tired from it. I just pray, God, would you give them extra grace right now in this season. God, to be able to stand through the storms that they're facing, Lord, and know that they are being lifted up right now by other believers, God. We thank you, Lord, that you have provided our city with great medical clinics and hospitals. We're grateful for that, Lord. Lord, we also know they're people too. They're humans just like us. God, they've seen this for long enough. God, would you intervene and move, God, in the name of Jesus? Would you heal people? Would you clear their airways out? Would you make it where these people are healed in the name of Jesus, Lord? God, we thank you for that. I thank you, God, that you give opportunities for other nurses and doctors to minister to people. I thank you, God, that you would send angels, Lord, that they don't even realize. You say in your word that sometimes we entertain angels unaware. So, God, if we can't get in there, I'm just praying for angels that are, you know, we don't even know who they are, that people are unaware of who they are. Would you send them into the hospitals and the clinics in our city and region? God, let them minister and touch and strengthen nurses and doctors in our hospitals, Lord. You send angels to strengthen Jesus. So, God, I don't see why it wouldn't be any strange thing for you to send an angel to strengthen a nurse or a doctor. So I'm praying for that, Lord. Help them, Lord, to be strong in the Lord in the power of your mind. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, before you go, let me speak this over you in our city right now. The scripture says in Numbers chapter 6, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may he give you his peace. God bless you so much. You're dismissed. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.